Costs to originate keep rising, even with more technology in the industry. The problem is the core platform. A new LOS can re-architect the process around data, not humans moving paper files. Vesta has built this LOS, and you can learn more at Vesta.com. Welcome, everyone. Today, my guest is Tim Anderson, president of the e-mortgage division at Evolve Mortgage Services, to talk about the FHFA's very first Velocity Tech Sprint. Tim has been involved in technology and mortgage since 1993, working at Freddie Mac, DocuTech, Stewart, Black Knight, DocMagic, and more. And I'm excited to get his takeaway on the tech sprint. First, here's a word from our sponsor. Hi, I'm Sarah Wheeler, Editor-in-Chief at HW Media, talking to Desmond Smith, Chief Growth Officer at UWM, about SafeCheck. Desmond, how are trigger leads impacting borrowers? So trigger leads have become a very big issue throughout many industries, not just mortgages, but specifically the mortgages. What we've seen happen is a loan officer or a broker will pull credit and sometime within minutes, but uh, definitely within the hour, uh, we've had consumers receive upwards of 40 calls. You know, within a day or two, they may receive hundreds of calls. So that's the reason that UWM created SafeCheck to protect borrowers. Thanks, Desmond. And listeners, you can find out more about SafeCheck at uwm.com. Tim, welcome to the podcast. Great to have you on. Well, thanks for having me, Sarah. Look forward to it. I'm really excited. So this tech sprint that FHFA put on, it's the first one they've done, right? And there's been so much buzz about it. Uh, everyone wanted to go. If they didn't get to go, I think there's a lot of FOMO there. So you were um, an observer there. I would. So that's why I'd love to talk to you about what it was like and kind of what you took away for it. So let's start at the top. You know, what was the tech sprint like? Kind of give us a feel for what the how the days were organized. Well, you know, they actually did a really good job of, of preparing. It's a little bit different than other tech sprints I've seen. You know, they had content, good speakers on subject matter, home affordability, data quality, that kind of stuff for just sessions. And then what was really neat was the actual tech sprints they put together with the teams. You know, they, they went through certain categories that they were trying to solve. They broke up uh, 10 teams with about eight people each. Um, and they were not known who those teams were until they got there, which was kind of interesting. And then they try to work them by a designer and developer, business people. So they looked at a team based on how you would take a tech sprint with the type of team that you would bring a product to market with. So the design around was pretty, actually pretty good too. And then they went in with their subjects and, uh, you know, for three days deep down, they, it, they, they said they were going from eight o'clock in the morning till five o'clock at night, just working through what their presentations was going to be. So it was, uh, it was a workout for a lot of them. That is, I know the overall like umbrella statement they put out was like what they were trying to solve for, if you want to say that, was how might data digitization drive transparency and increase access, fairness, affordability, and sustainability in mortgage lending. So that's a that's a pretty big <laughs> it's a pretty big problem statement there. Yeah, pretty wide and vast. But you know, the neat thing then is you keep it broad enough where you have these teams that come. It's like, well, how do you interpret that? And then what is you what do you, as you drill down? What is the what is a good solution that they might be able to to pursue? Um, as you know, this industry is uh, data challenged because so many people touch it, change it, and it goes through so many hands. I was trying to find a study the other day where how many handoffs, not only just internally but externally, for verification income and assets 
that you get as you in fees that come through and change over that life of that loan to closing and then continues on to secondary and servicing. So, you know, the biggest problem we have is data integrity, but who's going to rep and warrant it is sure that is, you know, the other one of the subject was, what is the real source of truth? How do you derive it? Who's going to find say that's the real correct and compliant uh, data? It's a big challenge. And how do you get to that without just adding more layers of checkers, checking checkers, right? Like what, how do we cut through that to where we all say, yes, we do trust this? That's again, where a lot of that discussion initially, and they had a, a kind of a virtual kickoff, you know, weeks ahead before they decided what subjects they want to get into. Uh, one of them was this, you know, if you have so many people touching that data, who is going to rep and warn it and, and who really assures, you know, the source of truth. And then you, then inevitably, Blockchain comes into the game as, oh, blockchain is going to solve all this, you know. This has the same issues. If I could, if one person only had uh, access to that data and they were the system of record and one person did it, no problem. But we have so many people that touch it. So there are th- some things that we've looked at uh, through MISMO and uh, eVault and these new, the new uh, smart doc verifiable. Well, we can get into later or whatever. They're not kind of addressing these things because. It always retains the data. It authenticates who touches it, when do they touch it, but it never loses the system of record, which becomes that evolve. So it's it's you know it's traceable, it's immutable, it's verifiable, all the way through from app all the way servicing. I think I talked to Jason Cave, um, gosh, it's probably been a month ago now. And it felt like um, this was after I'd been on a, a panel with him. I was a moderator. And I feel like um, the main focus there was that, that uh, direct to source data, right? Like this, this could be the solve for a lot of these things, like go, going to the data from the IRS, going to these things so that um, we've already got that source. And then, you know, we don't, it doesn't have to go through all these different layers. Did you get that feeling during the, during the sprint? Yes, definitely. They had a couple of subjects around uh, how do you authenticate all players, right? So that you can reduce fraud. So if I'm, you know, if I am the bar or I'm the lender, I am the title agent, you know, how do you authenticate who the right parties are to eliminate fraud? And then who has access to the data and permissions to be able to change it or just view it, right? So those are some of the subjects they were trying to address. Yeah. So you you said this was different, some different than some of the tech sprints you've been a part of. How was it having the FHFA involved like they were? As you can tell, it, um, as young as I am, I've been at this for a little while. And when Fannie and Freddie, FHFA, went back in 2002, I think, saying we're going to do this thing called smart docs. That was their first entree and to say, how do we actually produce a doc and we have trusted data inside it, not on it, but inside it. And that's when I jumped in and said, hey, this is actually pretty, you know, revolutionary if we really could trust the data inside the doc. Only the GSEs can push something like this, right? Because at the end of the day, as originators and sellers of that asset, we're just strictly packagers of that, whatever the investor requires. So they give us and they dictate what are the requirements around what do you got to verify? What was a quality loan? And then we got to package and meet the requirements to send it to them. So they truly are in the best position to say, here's the requirements around how you create an asset that we're going to rep and warrant and that we're going to purchase, right, at the end of the day. So I love it when they step up and show thought leadership around this thing. Um, but, you know, one thing you got to say, you got to also provide incentives, though, for adoption. So one of the things that I, my takeaway was great ideas, great feedback. But how do you get adoption? And that's always been kind of the issue around any tech is saying, is it enough to, you know, move the needle enough for people to really adopt? And that's where the investors play a big role. If they mandate it requirement, 
they will do it. I think um, that's one of the questions they, you know, they wanted to solve here too. I mean, not, not with this sprint, but just with this office, with what Jason Cave is doing is like, there are already all these things out there that people, you know, all these technology um, automations, solutions that lenders could be using that they're not. So let's talk about, you know, how do we get what's out there and, and what could really make a difference to people's lending operations and why aren't they doing it? And I love that. That's such an insightful question. It really is. You know, the neat thing about everything they were looking for in terms of their mission statement and loan quality, basically, there's technology today that can be applied to solve the problem today. We don't have to go out and reinvent the wheel. We don't have to wait. We really don't have to wait for blockchain. It is all there. Um, I, I will put a plug in a little bit for MISMO. MISMO, you know, was about data standards as they started as a group. Now it's about solving these kind of problems, right? Is how it can... Here's our problem today when we're in a down marketplace. I can't come out with a better price or a different loan product. Everybody does that. Um, you know, the problem we have right now is we hire and fire people to reduce our costs. So technology application of it has really not made that much of a dent. I think now, because of what we do have out there now, if and that's what I love about bringing in these thought leaders and having this kind of collaborative effort from all different areas to say, Hey, if, if, if technology really is going to be the, the thing that can really make an impact, what are these things that we could do today to change that? And that really was a lot of what those things were. Some of them were a little bit blue sky, but there isn't anything I saw today that if they take the technology with a proper application, we can truly reduce the cost of originations and create more affordable housing initiatives for them. So you talked about the collaborative part of this. And obviously, um, in some ways, this tech sprint reminds me of like a hackathon, right? Um, as opposed to a, a traditional tech sprint. And when I think of hackathons, I feel like, you know, just that like collegiate, you know, um, pizza party, we're up all night, whatever. I, I don't know exactly if that's how it went here, but give us a sense for how it felt while you were there. You know, you ever you remember the that children's uh, game where they call it telephone where they the first one starts the story and then, you know, 10 chains down below, it's a completely different story. That's kind of what we do in the in the mortgage industry, right? You say, well, I don't know what happened when I originated loan. It was fine until it got to servicing. It became a problem, right? They don't talk. They're in their silos. Everybody knows what happened before and after, but it's never their problem because it's always happened before and after. This is why I love a true collaboration where you're not taking them by their, like, secondary or servicing. You're bringing them all in, and they can have a really appreciation of, well, I didn't even know that you guys did that over there. Or I didn't know you were even do that over here. You know, so just aware, being aware of what they do in the silos was a huge thing. We're saying, oh, I never knew you guys even had that issue. Or, I didn't know we created that issue. You know, so just that sharing of the right people in the same room at the same time is a huge change. Because normally, as a, you know, a tech vendor, you'll, you'll get somebody that says, I've got a problem. And you meet with them. And then you said, OK, well, who else you got to get in? Well, you have multiple meetings, you know, and neither one share that information. So they're always done this in a silo. So, yeah, I think I think that collaborative effort alone with those thought leaders, it was actually an education for everybody to say, gosh, I never even knew you guys were having this problem. You know, so, yeah, it was just from that sharing information was a is, is a big takeaway. And then saying, all right, now how do we apply technology to address these issues was kind of secondary on that. 
Who were the, um, so they haven't released a, a list of attendees, at least not that I've seen. Um, I did see like who was speaking on, on different panels and things like that. And you just see this range of like, there was someone from a credit union. You have Chase, you have, you know, I mean, uh, you have lots of government figures. You had Sandra Thompson do a, a virtual thing. You had, you know, they, they could bring in the big gums. There was uh, CFPB, uh, some other people. But when it came to like the tech people who were there, um, what, what level of tech is it? Were these tech executives? Were these tech, you know, like on the ground people? Like, what would you say? Who was there? They actually, in the team that they created, like I said, there were about eight, eight member teams, about 10 teams. They tried to put in a pretty good mix. So there was a, like a designer. So if you were going to create this thing, what would it look like from a UI perspective? And some of the people actually designed UIs, which was pretty good. They used Figma. Like a, some of them were strictly more high level bullet points, but, uh, but there's a designer, a developer said, what would be some of the requirements if we had to actually build this thing, right? Then, yes, there's a business person in there that said, okay, a lot of more business input from those, those situations. Then they had somebody that would be the communicator and kind of the marketing salesperson, the presenter, right? So each one had a role that they designed as part of that group. You had to choose which role you're going to be before you even started. And then in your role, then you contributed to the team and they create the whiteboard and come up with the uh, solution that they're going to present. So it was a good cross-section. That, 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 again, was really good how they put those teams together. It wasn't overloaded in any one area. It had all the right people. If you're actually going to design and develop a product, this would be a team that would be put together to do so. I love that. So they had five uh, focus statements that they focused on um, that that were they were trying to solve. I'm going to read just the, the top-line topics there, and I would love to know which one of these to you – is one of the biggest things we need to solve or which one really stands out to you. So first one is direct to source data, which we talked about just a little bit. Uh, the next one is data quality. Next one is adoption and implementation, then alternative data. And finally, digital experience and trust. So looking at the, at the borrower experience, you know, from an evolved standpoint, when you looked at those, what was top of mind for you? I, I think building trust into the process is critical. Right. Because, again, you have so many people that don't work for you directly that have key roles that update that that loan. You, know, you look at the process. Uh, the good news is, depending on the platforms, your origination platform is pretty well already electronic. So the data is in a system of record called an LOS. The problem is then you go to closing and you lose. You just go to paper again. You've lost all of that. So the issue, again, on the back end, on secondary is now I've got to bring it back to data again. So they go through this OCR and intelligent or otherwise, it's just very inefficient to get into data where it can actually then validate it again before we fund. So you kind of have this, you know, and then you get the service and they kind of do the same thing. So you have this repetitive processes that try to get the data and docs again, because they're different systems at different times, data and docs always get changed. You've got to eliminate that. You know, that that's the biggest challenge is again, that source of data. How do you keep that and retain that data quality and control all the way through the process, not just the data, but who has authorization to change it, to eliminate fraud or other things too. Big challenge. But I, and again, I'll, I'll pitch the kind of smart docs and evolve is kind of the block like blockchain like process. We can do that if they look at that evolve as that system of record for both data and docs, because it literally keeps a date and timestamp of who did what, when, and why. And I think that's been part of the problem we've had even with, yeah, even around e-mortgages, they saw, because Fannie and Freddie only cared about the note, one document out of that closing package, when the purchaser wants all the documents to be compliant for TRID, the LE, the CD, all that stuff that happens, well, keep it. Keep it 
electronic, keep it digital, keep it in an evolved system record that literally can sell who did what, when, keep that as long as that loan's active, you come back and do a mod or home equity, it's all there. But they don't think of vaults in those terms that because Fannie and Freddie says we only need it around the note. No, we need it for all the documents. So I think that's a change of thought saying, oh, yeah, we have that platform, but let's look at it for more holistic room around any time those documents change for whatever reason and keep it in that system. And having, you know, all these players here, you know, at different p- points in the process, like you said, the the servicers, the the investors, like having everybody together, um, you feel like, you know, there's some there's some hope there that we could get to to that kind of solution if people are thinking in that way. When when the teams presented their results or or what they would do, what stood out to you there? You know, there actually was some pretty innovative ideas that I, I didn't think about because again, you know, it's not just lenders, there were vendors involved, right? Which made it kind of interesting because I thought originally it was going to be oh, they're going to push their product and it's going to be a, an info commercial kind of thing to keep them away from that, right? Because everybody, if you're a vendor, you're going to come in, well, I, my, my problem will solve that. But that didn't happen. They really came in to some ideas that I didn't even think about, new approaches that that actually was pretty good, you know? And I love that. In fact, I, I love more the out-of-the-box kind of, because even if you don't think it's real, it's a dim perspective that people says, you know, if you did technology and you, you took it from this angle – Wow, I, it might just fly. We need more out of the box thinkers. That's the problem. I, I, I've been kind of torn between do you hire from the industry or do you bring people in from like Google or someplace else that has a similar problem around trust, authentication, that stuff and apply it to mortgages. And I think, you know, one of the best success stories out there is Rocket Mortgage. They were taking TurboTax, created a wizard for tax information because who got filling out tax forms is painful. Nobody hates, you know, loves it. Let's do the same thing for loans. And look what they did. You know, they use technology to become the number one online lender in the country. That's the kind of thinking and the kind of things we need approaches. And I'm, I'm glad, again, that FHFA kind of has that thought leadership because they're one of the few that could bring all those parties together and, and share. You know, a lot of this information, quite frankly, becomes part of the public domain. That's the other beauty of this thing, because if you had a secret sauce, you may not want to share it individually. But as a group, it's kind of natively kind of private label. Nobody really knows, but it's neutral, but it's presented. And so it's a great form to do it. And I, and I like the format that they use to choose to do that as well. I hope the follow-up will be, can they actually take an initiative then that they awarded to and said, how do we get, like I said, adoption? Who are the right players to start you know, piloting this, this idea or thought? I love that. And I kudos to the FHFA for being the one to bring it together. I mean, I was really surprised when I found out about it. I was like, wow, that's pretty that's pretty cool that the FHFA is the one doing that. Not that no no shade against them at all, but in general, um, you don't have government agencies leading the way on these kind of things. So I think that is new thinking from them. Oh, government innovation? Yeah, that that's a that's an oxymoron, right? You know, the other thing I was kind of, so here's where I think we're at in the stage of, of, of mortgage or anything else. I mean, you you can't keep throwing people and paper at the process, right? Because you, you, or even I, I could say I got a new loan product. I could price it maybe a little bit better, but you can't. You know, most pricing is regulated by the state or by the investor or some other entity outside. So you're pretty well, all those are pretty much commoditized. Technology has got to be the way that you're going to have to innovate and change this process. And the fact that the government is stepping up and showing some initiative, I, I tell you, I think it threw me off. Junie May, 
they have their digital collateral initiative too. Finally, you know, did Ginny means to be really antiquated. And now they have thought leaders coming on their digital collateral initiatives. I love it. I mean, it's kind of where we're at. And because if we don't, we just can't keep doing business the same way. It's, you know, the definition of insanity. We, we've got to let technology finally drive some of this. So, and I think the other big change was, you know, when COVID hit, the, the good and the bad thing is people have now the technology like we're doing now. We have high-speed internet and you have video. I don't have to go physically and do this stuff anymore in an office or somewhere. So the technology now is pervasive to the consumer to do this kind of stuff online. And that was a major shift because, you know, a lot of people didn't have high-speed access. They didn't have video. They, you know, they weren't prepared to do stuff from their homes. And now everybody has it. So that was a big shift to finally, you know, create some adoption around this as well. I think we're going to look back and see that sort of great leap forward in some ways from uh, from COVID, but especially in our industry from a technology standpoint, because we just didn't have any choice, right? So it was either jump on board or, or you're going to, you know, sink or swim and and everybody swam. You know, they say about innovation at the worst time. I mean, you know, the pandemic had to actually, you know, had to create a pandemic for people to change their behavior. But, you know, sometimes you have to have hard uh help to, to get things to change like that, you know, so some good comes out of it. What did you personally take away from your time in DC? I kind of miss being in the the room with everybody. If you saw the, the pictures and everything, they were literally had tables and work, you know, and by the time you know the fun began, when you're going to go out and have a drink or dinner, they were too tired, you know, so, but being in that room, you know, being in the room there with all those participants, uh, you could feel kind of that excitement and the energy, which is great because, again, the last couple of years have been kind of tough in mortgage. It, it, it was hopeful, right? Just knowing that there, there's people in there dedicated to looking at better solutions and, and come up with some pretty good ideas out of that, you know? That, that's great. It, again, I can't think of many forums where you can get all those right people and all those different players and constituents, you know, with a, the with a clout to bring them in and do something like that. So, you know, kudos to FHFA. I mean, it, it really is. Um, and I, I, I see this as a big turning point to your point is uh, and a lot of what the MBA and MISMO things, I think technology, they really do finally see this is the only way we're going to be able to, to lower costs alone, to generate a better consumer experience, to eliminate some of the fraud and, and, and data issues that we have. All the issues we've been talking about, uh, like you said, the solutions are there, the technology is there. Let's get the right groups together quantify them in, into kind of smaller bites that we can achieve and, and develop the right roadmap to get there. What's the one thing that when you look at it, I mean, I, I look at your background, you know, you've, you've been everywhere from Freddie Mac, DocuTech, Stewart, uh, Black Knight, right? Doc Magic, Pavasso, Mortgage Connect, now Evolve. Um, you've seen a lot of different technology and, and a lot of the evolution of where we're going. Uh, but when we come back to that, like, what are the thing? What is the one thing that's out there already that we that people should be taking advantage of? Lenders should be taking advantage of that they're not. Gee, Sarah, you know, I don't know how to take that either. I, I can't hold a job, or I have a small attention span, <laughs> or I can't. I haven't found the right solution to get there. Right? I mean, it's all the above. I think, you know, I have I have a bias too. You know, I, I, to your point, I, I drank this Kool-Aid in 2003 when Fannie said we got, and Freddie said they got this thing called a smart duck, you know, and I go, and I'm not really a technologist. I'm really always been the business side. And I said, well, again, if Fannie and Freddie are pushing it, this thing can happen. Well, you know, that was, you know, that's like East. It was 25 years ago. I mean, you know, it, my gosh, you know, is that the best we can do? But I think 
solving the ability to quit thinking about these, I call it kind of spackle or bondo, is taking kind of the the cow path and paving it, you know, making it just a little bit better. That doesn't scale. That doesn't move the needle. It doesn't, you know, maybe I save $10, $25 alone. It's not enough for anybody to really worry about, right? And that's our big biggest problem back to your question is, how do I create something that's going to get attention that people say, I can do that without a lot of effort and it will make a major impact on my business. Because if it doesn't, I'm going to, I'm just going to stay the course and make money the old way. And that's the problem. Most of these uh, things are incremental piecemeal solutions and it's not enough to move the needle for anybody to really put any effort into it. So now, you know, $25 of savings, a 2,500. And if you can prove it, okay, I'm, I'm listening. You know, thing around like e-closing, I quit selling e-closing and smart docs and e-sign. I said, what if I can drive a 10-day closing to you? A 10-day closing? Person say it's impossible. Well, that's what we're doing today. You know, we've got an issue today for HELOCs because it's streamlined, but we can actually deliver that. And all of a sudden they go, I know what a 10-day closing is, but how do you do it? That's, you got to talk business terms. All of a sudden now they're interested. You talk technology, they, they gloss over, they hand you to the IT guy and it becomes an IT project and it becomes a cost and a project and they got to prioritize on top of everything else. Don't never have enough time. So yeah, I think we've got to solve true business initiatives that, that can be real quantifiable that they can act on without too much of an obstacle, either cost-wise or project-wise or people-wise. You know, Great insights right there. Once something becomes uh, the realm of IT, that sometimes the business people uh, tune out and think, oh, you know, now I'm just paying for something else instead of seeing the benefit. You talked about incentives earlier. Do you see any incentives coming down the pike that would uh, that would help do this? I mean, we saw, like we, we just said, you know, it took a pandemic for some things to, to move forward. What what kind of incentives might uh, might sweeten the pot here? Well, I'll go from easy to hard on this one because uh, I've been beating up Fannie and Freddie for many years because they've been pushing smart docs, they've been pushing e digital streamline, you know, day day one certainty, all the technology initiatives to verify data electronically, right? It's all there. Then if we do that as a lender, then what's my incentive to at the end to adopt that? And it really, if they could just give me a better execution a quicker funding, maybe even a couple basis point price-wise, or even a value of an MSR, because I really can validate the data better than, you know, dumb docs and paper, they change overnight. And I sound apolitical here, but, you know, they don't have to do that because they're the big players. So I've always been thinking maybe then a non-GSE, you know, investor would come up and say, hey, I really do need technology to compete with the big boys. I'll do it. And I've been waiting for kind of a a new investor step up and implement it because it's there and we can show them, we can do all this pre-closing, verify data docs, ensure that it's an investor quality loan before we close. And that's the other incentive is if you can really trust the data docs and we rep warrant it, I can do a next day funding and think what a next day funding would do to the industry because you trust the data and the docs. That's huge. And that could be done today. I'm just trying to find an investor that's innovative enough to trust the technology that we can prove it to them. Man, that is great insight, Tim. Uh, we're almost out of time, but is there anything else you'd like to add about the tech sprint? I, I, you know, I'd like to see more of these. I really do. I, like I said, I hope this is not just a shot in the dark. I hope they continue evolving and maybe even final, you know, ones that they've selected. How do we hone in? How do we actually bring it to marketplace with the right players? You know, who's going to invest in this going forward? Um, 
again, at the end of the day, if there's not an investor that's going to give me some incentive to do it, it will never happen because it's kind of like pushing a, a rope up, you know, up uphill instead of downhill or, or treading water. I mean, you've got to have somebody that's going to say, if you do this, I'm going to give you an incentive. And it's always usually the investor that's going to benefit in that. So I hope that happens. Tim, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. Really interesting. And uh, we'll have you on again soon, but I appreciate you sharing your insights. Well, thanks for having me, sir. I appreciate it too. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to Housing Wire Daily. If you haven't already, we'd love for you to take a minute to rate the show and leave a comment. And make sure to tune in tomorrow for more news and insight.